Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will be looking at Ephesians 6.12. Paul writes, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. As we saw in our last episode, we can and must be ready for the battle that is already upon us. And we looked at the source of our power, that it does not come from within, be strengthened, right? It's a passive verb. We looked at that. And then we looked at the protection for the battle that is provided, the source of the armor we are to put on. A, yes, it is imperative, but it, it really focuses on what is happening, uh, not on the verb, but on the object. So the focus here is on the whole armor of God. So it's the armor that God supplies and the purpose of that armor, it, it, the outcome is stated that you may be able to stand. We're talking a military uh, action here to stand and not lose footing to not lose ground. Furthermore, we saw the foe identified the commanding general that we are fighting against is no other than the devil, that we are to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now we come to verse 12 in our text, which we just read, and we see thirdly in this smaller mini pericope that the nature of the battle is enumerated. Remember, we can and must be ready for the battle that is already upon us. It's not like we are far off in a protected place and then we decide when we're going to enter into a battle that is raging in another place and we go to that. The battle's already here. We're already in it, and it's up to believers to recognize the present reality. So as we dig into this text here in verse 12, let's take a look at a few aspects uh, that jump out to us. Firstly, the nature of the battle, the, the first aspect of the, its nature is that it's lifelong. Uh, Paul says this in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, before we even get to the flesh and blood aspect, let's just look at this verb, we do not wrestle. It's really an awkward translation. If we were to translate it literally kind of word for word from the Greek into the English, we, we would say something like this, we are not existing in a wrestling match. So the verb isn't wrestle, the verb is to exist. To it's a, it's a verb of being, and we are not existing in a wrestling match. But to exist is something that we all do in this world, which means that it is lifelong. Now he is saying we do not exist in a wrestling match against something else. But the implication is that we do exist in a wrestling match against something that Paul is going to enumerate for us in this verse. And so that leads us to this conclusion that when he says we do not wrestle, and this is an ongoing aspect of our very existence in this world as 
fallen humanity with a spiritual foe around us, uh, since that is the ongoing reality, we have to understand that the battle that is around us is lifelong. This is a battle that A, we have to fight, and B, we don't ever get to stop fighting until we leave this world. Never is the battle going to be done. Now, I don't think that that is supposed to be said as something to get people down and depressed because the point is, is that we have the ability to stand strong in the battle and we know that ultimately the battle is already won. The victory was procured and secured for us by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our conqueror, right? Uh, and, And the conqueror of Satan and the conqueror of sin, all of that was defeated at the cross. And so we have to understand that what he has called us to is he's just saying, listen, for you in your little pocket of the world, understand that especially once the Lord has saved you, you are in a spiritual battle and it will exist until you draw your last breath. That's something that we really ought to pause and think about because so often I have heard Christians say, and maybe you have said this, maybe I've said it too in the past. But they'll say something like this, that, you know, I was saved 30 years ago, let's say. And uh, because I made this decision 30 years ago and I did a lot of Bible reading back then, I don't really need to do that now. And that's okay. I'm secure because, you know, I took care of all that stuff way back when. And it's not really important what my walk is like now. (laughs) You couldn't be further from the truth. And and so we, we really have to understand the nature of this battle. You have to be believing the gospel all the way up until your last day on this earth. You have to be fighting against your spiritual foe all the way up until you leave this earth, until you draw your last breath. You have to wake up and affirm the gospel every day. You have to understand that when you do wake up and God sustains your life through the night and he gives you that breath uh, all through the night and in the morning and he wakes you up and you're back in the world, right? You have to recognize that, A, that's a gift of God. He's the life giver. He's the life sustainer. Apart from him, nothing exists. uh, Nothing was created that exists, right? Uh, Everything exists because of him, John chapter 1. And he holds it all together, Hebrews chapter 1. And, and so we look at that and we have to affirm all those things. And then we, a part of that affirmation isn't a focus on Satan necessarily, but it is an acknowledgement, right? I, I'm not saying that we spend all of our time, you know, worrying about our foe. Our foe is already defeated, but we short sell ourselves in our faith if we don't acknowledge the spiritual reality of spiritual uh, opposition. And that is something that's not tangible. It's it's not something, spiritual opposition is not something that you can uh, bottle and capture and put under a microscope in a lab. And it really is lifelong. And so once you are saved, you are plunged into this, whether you agree to the terms or not, it's here. It's upon you. It's lifelong. And and it's a wrestling match. And that is a very interesting uh, choice of of terminology here because it's an active fight, right? It's not you sitting in a sniper hide somewhere and waiting for somebody to come into your sights. This is an active engagement, hand-to-hand combat. The weapons are thrown aside and you have to engage your enemy as it were. Now, of course, we're going to get to the weapons in a few moments, 
moments here and we're going to understand the armor and each piece of that and you do have uh you know a, a weapon of of offense uh as it were right the 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 word of god is our sword okay so we have that but this is an ongoing match and our foe is incredibly powerful and we're in this close hand-to-hand combat and it will last for life. So that's the first aspect of the nature of the battle that we are in. What's the second? Well, the true battle, and remember that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about wars that are fought between other nations or proxy wars or any of those things. We're talking about a spiritual war and the real war here is not physical. For we are not existing in a wrestling match, if I can use that awkward translation, in a wrestling match against flesh and blood. Okay, that's the physical realm. Now, be careful here, because as we get into this and we start focusing on the spiritual, this is where people historically have gotten into trouble. One of the early heresies in the church was the heresy of Gnosticism, and Gnosticism basically said that the physical is bad and only the spiritual is good, and so we could easily start to fall into some form of Gnosticism if we only focus on the spiritual. Listen, I I just want to put that to rest really quickly. God said, uh, not just said, but he created what? A physical world, and God created us with physical bodies. And so the point is, is our focus isn't on that which is unseen. Now, our hope is on that scene, uh, that which is not seen, right? We, we hope for that which we do not see. And he's talking about heavens, right? The heaven. Uh, but, but the point is, is that even in the eternal life that follows this life, that will be physical as well. We are going to have a physically resurrected body. So, you know, we, we don't want to fall into this, this trap and this heresy here. But, but the real battle, the battle that counts for your soul, is not a physical battle. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, 28. We don't fear him who can kill the body only. That doesn't matter. So, right, in a physical battle that's on this world, in this world, if I join the army or if, you know, I happen to be a casualty, a civilian casualty, as it were, right, because a shell comes into my city and hits my, t- you know, my town, right, and hits my house, and, and I'm now a casualty, I, I don't worry about that necessarily because I'm not worried about the guy who can fire the shell and, and take my physical body from me. Rather, Jesus says, you have to be worried about the one who has the power over both the body and the soul to send it to hell, Matthew 10, 28. So the real battle that we're worried about is not a physical battle. It's actually a a spiritual battle. But the way he phrases it here, he says, it's not flesh and blood, literally, uh, according to the word order, not blood and flesh. Okay. Uh, he does say flesh and blood, and we kind of are used to seeing that. But in the word order in the Greek, it is not blood and flesh. And and again, I think that what what Paul is anticipating here, because he's already had time to counter it in some of his other letters, and and, and so he's looking at this, and he's probably anticipating Gnostic heresy that was already building and becoming more and more prevalent in the church. So he says, "Listen, the battle's not physical." It's not according to the blood and the flesh, although we're not discounting the blood and the flesh, but this battle is a spiritual battle. 
And that, of course, brings us to the third aspect of the nature of the battle. It's lifelong. It's not physical. What is it then? It's spiritual. And here Paul gives us a list. And he says, but, so it's not those things. It is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So let's work through that list. Number one rulers. The, now, these are cosmic, right? So th- these are cosmic powers, which we'll address uh, in just a little bit. But we have to realize that they were already defeated at the cross. So whatever these rulers are, they're already defeated. And, and for that, we'd go back to Ephesians uh, 4 verse 9, okay? But they have been given some limited freedom. In Ephesians 4, verse 9, we read this. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. Okay, remember that? And we'll have to come back and probably do a separate section on that, uh, probably with a different text, honestly. Uh, but you can go back and listen to that episode, and we'll, I'm sure we touched on some things at that point. Okay, so uh, the ruler here is is somebody who's in a position of authority, but he's going to qualify it, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness and spiritual forces. Okay, so even if there are physical rulers that are opposing us, we have to recognize that they're part of a greater satanic. Okay, I'm just going to come out and say it because we're talking about uh, in verse 11, the schemes of the devil. Okay, so sometimes there are physical rulers on this world who are doing the agenda of Satan and his planning and his schemes. And then not only do we have rulers, but we have authorities. These are powerful people. Uh, this, uh, th- this word could be translated power or potentate. Uh, one, one commentator writes this, it demo- denotes one who aspires for world control, <laughs> a world controller. Now, of course, we used to make fun of that. Of course, in history, we have people like Genghis Khan. Uh, we have, you know, some of the Roman Empire emperors who are trying to expand their empire to be world. And then, of course, we've had cartoons and, uh, you know, all of these caricatures of people who are, I'm going to rule the world. And now, as crazy as it seems, we actually have people who are in Switzerland. Davos, Switzerland, the World Economic Forum. I'm just going to come out and say it. You got guys like Klaus Schwab in the world today, and maybe this podcast will last for years and Klaus Schwab will eventually die because that's the way they all are. But right now he's alive and has been slowly building his little empire and his world vision for world dominance for the last 50 plus years. And now he's coming out and, you know, he's one of these guys behind the scenes and he's literally saying, and people don't believe him, that he wants to control the world. It's crazy. <laughs> and you, you think, how can there be a guy like this? You know, with, with 8 billion people in the world, how can one man say that he has the authority over all these people? He's not God. He didn't create them. He doesn't have that authority. Well, he is an authority. And he does aspire for world control. He'd fit under this. I think he's the minion and puppet of Satan. And I think there are others that are just like him and have been like him in in the recent past and even going back a lot farther. But that brings us to another in the list. We've got rulers, we've got authorities, and now we get to an interesting thing. We have cosmic powers 
and spiritual forces. Let's look at this. Cosmic powers over, and he qualifies that, not just cosmic powers, but it's cosmic powers over this present darkness. We find in this phrase something interesting. It's the language of contemporary astrology. Now, Paul is obviously not going for that, but we find some resonance with what we now call 2,000 years later, this contemporary astrology, cosmic powers and present darkness. And the idea behind that, when we are looking to Eastern mysticism and astrology, is is this, okay? And it's hopeless. I want you to realize this, that people who espouse this kind of doctrine and worldview think that our destiny is written in the stars and we're helpless to do anything about it. And and that was actually common and prevalent then, and it's actually still prevalent today. But here's the truth. We are not, I can't emphasize that enough, we are not helpless, So when he says that we are actually warring against cosmic powers, what he is saying is we have the power to overcome them. That actually goes contrary to what they espouse and what their doctrine teaches. We don't just have to be led along, right? There are cosmic powers for evil. Now we're outside of the human realm and we're outside of all of that. And we have people who are incredibly powerful but we are to fight them and we have actually been equipped to do so. So that's what we're talking about. Now, what are these cosmic powers? And I think that some of this is in apposition here so that we understand that they are in the cosmos. But then he goes on and says, what, against the spiritual forces of evil? I think that we're talking about one in the same group here. So these, these spiritual forces are the ones who exist in a powerful way in the cosmos over this present darkness. Darkness, obviously, in all of Scripture, one of the analogies that we get through and through is the comparison of light and darkness. Darkness and light. Light always represents the good. Light always represents God. Darkness always represents evil. Satan is called the God of this world. God, little g of this world. He's been given a temporary uh, temporary rulership, a temporary reign over this world. And this rulership that he has is, is classified, is characterized by darkness. Okay? I hope you see that. Now, it doesn't mean that that's the, uh, the way that it's always going to be. We have been equipped to fight against it, and one day Jesus is coming back and is going to put all of that under his feet, and he is going to reign victorious, okay? So we have these cosmic powers over present darkness, and what are they? Well, appositionally, we understand that these cosmic powers are spiritual forces of evil, and they're in the heavenly places, Now, this most likely denotes what we could say is the unseen world in general, including both good and evil forces. Okay, uh, that's that's one commentator's take on that Uh, unseen world in general. Now, when he's talking about the unseen world and he says that will include both good and evil forces, have to understand that the unseen world, we have angels who are not fallen. So they're they're good. Right. But here he's talking about evil for or spiritual forces of evil. And he says that they're in heavenly places. They're in the spiritual realm. They're unseen. 
And one of the things that you have to understand, and so we we have to take a broad view of theology, right? One of the one of the places that we go to to understand how Satan works is we go back to the earliest book, the oldest book in the Bible, which is the book of Job. And in that book, we find that God is sitting in the heavens and Satan is allowed to come into his presence and God enters into a discussion with him and about Job and you know how the rest of it goes. But Satan for a time has access into the throne room of heaven. Just kind of squirrel that away and keep that in your mind. And it seems that from the time of Job all the way to the time that Paul is writing, and therefore we could argue extends all the way to the time that you and I are reading this, that Satan still has that same access into heavenly places. He is the God over this world. He has access into certain parts of heaven only by invitation, but he is in the spiritual realm and he is a force for evil and he has been allowed to continuate that or to continue that and to perpetuate that for a time. That won't always be the case. The book of Revelation actually tells us that there is coming a time when Satan will be permanently and irrevocably kicked out of heaven to this earth where he will spend the last portion of his time on earth until he is cast into the bottomless pit. And then when he's released from that pit, a final battle, and then he will be cast into the lake of fire, which was prepared for him for all eternity. Okay. But for right now, he exists in the unseen world. Here's the real battle. We are actually facing a spiritual foe who hates us who wants nothing more than to see you and I fail and failure to Satan and to his demonic horde means that we would turn away from Christ, that we would abandon our faith, that we would embrace another gospel, that we would embrace a counterfeit, that we would do anything that would ultimately go against God, go against Christ and begin to even speak against Christ. And if he can do that, then he is, he's trying to pry us away from the gift of life that Christ offers. All Christ is offering, I mean, think about it. It should be a no-brainer. All Christ is offering is eternal life. It's a gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to do, you can't merit it. You can't earn it yourself. Christ already procured it at the cross. It's already done. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. God is holy and without sin. The way to forgiveness of sin is through Jesus Christ. And you have to cling to that for life. And once you do cling to that, Satan is going to do everything he can do to get you to turn away from that. And remember, he is the master of disguise. He is the master of lies. And he is a murderer from the beginning. This is a serious, serious battle. And so when Paul gives this call to arms in Ephesians chapter 6, and in this verse in verse 10, and we see and have worked through the nature of the battle, believer, brother, sister in Christ, we have to take this seriously. We really do have a foe. We really are engaged in a lifelong wrestling match with that foe until God calls us home and you have a duty. You have a God-given duty to fight him with every fiber of your being for every second that you live on this earth until God calls you home. Fight the good fight. Run the race that is set before you. Finish the race. Finish the course and do it so that you can hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant. And when we come back 
and we start to look at the next verses. We're going to look at each piece of this incredible armor that God has given us and realize that he has not left us helpless to flounder. He has given us every single thing that we need to win this battle. So why wouldn't we take advantage of that? This is such a beautiful passage. And I hope that we will take it seriously as we consider the life that is ahead of us for as long as God has us on the earth. For some, it may be a shorter period. For some, it may be longer. But you ought to say, and I ought to say that however long God gives me, I am going to fight the good fight. I am going to engage in this battle that I have been placed in with a spiritual foe, and I'm going to use every piece of equipment that is available to me that God has equipped me with by God's grace through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do this so that he will be glorified and so that I can go in and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. All right, we'll end this episode there. I went a little long. I get passionate about these things. I hope you understand that because this is real. It really is. And we have a sacred duty that is before us. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.